0: Al Rock, good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Now, I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Good morning, David Lee, Brandon Meyer, our friendly crab fisherman from the Pacific Northwest. What's up, Kermode Bear? You might want to make friends with Brandon Meyer over there. He might have some delicious salmon left over from the nets. What's up, Joni Rankin? How you doing? Floby Tenderson is here. All the gang, P. Ridge, 62, Corey and Callie, and my smoking hot red-headed libertarian wife, Stephanie Peterson, joining us as well. Howdy-do. How are you? Black my shirt. Now I have a machine gun sweater. Gotta love it. I had to have one of these things. We sold them like crazy during Black Friday. My now, I guess, famous Die Hard Christmas sweaters. And, of course, since in the, ha- in the movie Die Hard, when the terrorist gets killed john mcclain puts a santa hat on him with this sweater so had to have it over <laughs> at APforlibertyshop.com. got a lot of exciting things to talk about today and as usual some terrific guests but before we get to that the top of the show this morning dinks what is a dink first thing i thought was that it was something all kind of uh sexual but it's not as a matter of fact it's actually the complete opposite of sexual, dual income, no kids, couples bragging about being childless uh, on the internet, goes viral, and we're going to talk about this morning at the top of the show. It's going to be an interesting one. Aren't you excited for that? Hell yes. What's up, Brian SJ? Good morning. Nice to see you here. At uh, the top of the show today, we're going to talk about dual income, no kids, dinks. Apparently, some of these dinks, rinky dinks, rinky, dinky dinks, uh, Skidmarky rinky do i don't love you uh have been facing a furious backlash according to the daily mail uh about the perks of their child-free lifestyle as they're branded sad losers by critics Lol. <laughs> brandon it's christmas you're gonna get tossed under the gift bus uh everybody does we all do every year we all get tossed under the gift bus we're gonna talk about dinks this morning uh e. Tenderson tenerson says he's jealous of dinks for about 30 Minutes each day. Then my kids say some hilarious shiz, and I am filled with joy. Oh, Floby, I'm so jealous of you. I can't wait to have kids. Uh, at seven eighteen this morning, we're going to talk about um, <laughs> transing the kids. Apparently, Nikki Haley comes out and says it's okay to trans the kids. Essentially, right? Not exactly, but uh, you know, i you know, allegedly, allegedly. We'll talk about that. I've got the clip. You decide for yourself. How's that? At seven thirty-five this morning, we're going to talk about. The corporate press. Speaking of boo, hit that. We're gonna hit that boo button a lot this morning. Boo. The corporate press. The Wall Street Journal writes a hit piece on Javier Malay. I'm not calling it a hit piece because even though anybody who, if you're not as trained to spot the bias in the corporate media like me, and this is my job, I'm a professional. The uh, then you might not necessarily register the the fact that this is an attack piece from the headline alone. El loco of course, the crazy one, uh, won the Argentina election last month with outlandish ideas. Now he's backpedaling. So the corporate press here, the Wall Street Journal, which, you know, right of center, we're not talking about a left of center magazine, although on the spectrum, they would be, you know, much farther left than where I'm at right now. I'm with Javier Malay. Hell yes. Who else is with Javier Malay? If you're with Javier Malay, click the like button. And subscribe to the channel if it's your first time tuning into the program this morning and you're like, hey, that a Javier Malay guy from Argentina sounds pretty gay. Well, great. Well, guess what? I am the American Javier Malay. Hell yes. This is a Javier Malay stand show. Anyway, so the Wall Street Journal subheading is Javier Malay, who pledged to kill the central bank, cut ties with China, and slash public spending has taken a softer tone. Ahead of his inauguration, I want to go through this piece and I'm going to debunk, debunk, debunk. We're going to hear from uh, me at on this topic at 7:30 a.m. Central Time. You're not going to want to miss that, so make sure that you stick around. Uh, at eight o'clock this morning, we're going to hear from our friend Judge Andrew Napolitano. I'm kind of excited about that. We're going to talk to him about a, a potential massive change to the U.S. tax code that the Supreme Court might be ready to undergo. Oh, and did you guys see? The- <laughs> This is how you know that uh, the, the news is a little bit slow during the holiday season, which I'm fine with talking about topics like these, and hopefully you are too, but the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer dropped, and I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, I, what? Don't be disappointed. I like video games, okay? And maybe it's because we're dinks. We're dinks, me and my wife, but we're not bragging about it, okay? We're honestly trying. We don't want to be genetic dead ends. We don't want to be dinks, okay? We don't want to be skidamarinky dinky dink. We don't want to be skidamarinky doo. Uh, I love you, Stephanie, and we would love to have kids, and that is being worked on. Uh, at uh, 8, 8.30 this morning, we're going to hear from Sean Hickman, a, a.k.a. Roger Mayhem, online on Twitter, to talk about apparently there's a heckler's veto. Communities around the country are canceling public lighting displays of the menorah for Hanukkah, and even canceling some Christmas Public Christmas celebrations that would have happened and uh, that aren't going to happen in light of the fears of the potential backlash. Um, apparently, I thought the war on Christmas was over, but apparently we're taking it to New Heights in 2023. At 8:30 uh, a.m. this morning, we're going to talk to Sean Hickman uh, about that story, as well as uh, Thomas Massey is in hot water. He's under serious attack. For voting against being the lone vote against many of these um, votes that are being taken on Capitol Hill to de- do things like declare that all anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, uh, he votes against aid Israel, for example, and all of these things I think are right within the libertarian purview. But he's still getting attacked for it. We're going to hear from Sean Hickman about that this morning at eight thirty a.m. It's going to be an awesome show. You don't want to miss a single minute. And of course, if it's your first time here. I do uh, want to let you know that you can text the show anytime, night or day. As a matter of fact, I'd love it if you just program the show's number in your phone so that you can let us know what's on your mind. And a lot of times you might be listening to the program afterwards. We do cut this as an audio podcast. So do me a favor. Make sure you send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573 573- I'm looking forward to hearing from you today. And you can send us a text uh, to let us know what you think about any of the topics that we're talking about today. Or if you think that there might be a topic that we're missing on the show. Remember, we are live and I don't have a news crew. This is a beautiful looking studio, but it's just me here all alone in the morning I come, I get in the downtown and they're of Jefferson City. And pretty much, I think I'm the first person to get to downtown Jefferson City to get the workday started. So, what that means is, no, there's nobody here to help me. So, I rely on you. So, make sure you text the phone line. If there's breaking news, like a house explodes in, um, for example, yesterday in Arlington, Virginia, you got to let me know that stuff. So, the text line again, 573 319 1586. All right. So, dual income, no kids. Dink couple face furious backlash uh, for boasting about the perks of their child-free lifestyle as they're branded sad losers by critics. (laughs) (laughs) Lily Ann, who's 21, and her husband, also 21, from Utah, are in a dink relationship. The couple has a dual income and no kids. They went viral after bragging about their infant infant free lifestyle. Are you ready to take a listen? Take a listen. Here we go. We're dinks. We're gonna get asked daily when we plan on having kids. We're dinks. Of course we're gonna go out to eat every night after work. We're dinks. We don't have to ask our family for financial help or to watch our kid when we wanna go out. We're dinks. We're gonna go to Costco and buy all the snacks in bulk that we want. We're dinks. We have disposable income to spend on whatever we would like and don't have to spend on a kid. We're Dinks. I'm going to go to every football game and play 18 holes whenever I want. We're Dinks. We're going to get asked to every single family event what we're doing with our life. We're Dinks. We're... Okay, well... We're Dinks. We're dual income, no kids. See, whenever I hear Dinks, I think that it's something else. Uh, am I the only person who hears Dinks and thinks Twinks? <laughs> <laughs> Steffi says, 21-year-olds, they are babies themselves. Yes, exactly. and. I think, you know, I, without letting the cat out of the bag of, like, my final judgment on this one or what I... You're already thinking what I'm thinking to an extent. These are kids, right? They're 21 years old. They're, you know, the the prime of their youth, even if they are married, which I'm... I actually have a hard time believing, but we'll we'll get to that in just a moment. Be, why is it that I have a hard time believing that? Well, it's because she's actually pretty cute, and he's like... a He's a dink. You know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I feel like dink, I would never, I would never accept a term like dink for myself, even if I were a dink, which I am a dink, but I'm not a dink. I don't claim that. Austin, what the hell's wrong with you? How dare you? I'm not a dink, even though I am technically a dink. Dual income, no kids uh, yet, but I want to have kids and we're working on it. Please stop giving me crap about it. okay? We're trying, okay? We want some Liberty Babies. So anyways, even if I am a dink, I would never accept something like that because it's just a horrible term. But here's the thing. She's kind of a cutie and like, look, I mean, not to just like boil everything down to looks.
1: We're going to get asked daily when we plan on having kids.
0: We're dinks. Of course, we're going to go. out. Okay, look at this guy. All right. So here's the deal. (laughs) Again, not to be too petty or anything like that, but they must live in a very small town because there's no way that this guy... In any town larger than two or three thousand people in it gets this every night after work. We're dated. We don't have to ask our family for financial. Here's the thing. She's gonna have kids one day. It's just it's not gonna be his kids. But they're not the only ones apparently out there who are bragging about being childless. Uh, More dink couples decided to make TikToks. Take a listen.
1: We're dinks. We go to Trader Joe's and workout classes on the weekends.
0: We're dinks. We get into snobby hobbies like skiing and golfing.
1: We're dinks. We can go to Florida on a whim.
0: We're dinks. We're already planning our European vacation next year.
1: We get a full eight hours of sleep, and sometimes more.
0: We're Dinks. We get desserts and appetizers at restaurants.
1: We're Dinks. We can play with other kids and give them back.
0: (laughs) We're Dinks. We still do it three times a week.
1: We're Dinks. We spend our discretionary income on $8 latte.
0: (laughs) We're Dinks. We max out our 401ks, Roth IRAs, and HSAs.
1: We're Dinks. We don't use our kids or dog as an excuse to leave a party. We just leave. (laughs) We're Dinks. We go to Trader Joe's
0: okay well it's a little cringe wouldn't you say uh they're dinks and it's quite cringe anyway kids are getting attacked online i call them kids because they are kids but the first couple that we watched lillianne and her husband they're 21 years old they're part of the dink community which is filled with romantic pairs who haven't had children the lovebirds have apparently been together since they were 16 wow and then they took to TikTok to brag about their infant free, infant free lifestyle that sees them splurging on Costco trips and making every night a date night. Um, I'm pretty sure. I, I love that the guy in this original video. Hold on, let's go back. Can we, can we please? Let's pull it back up here. Let's uh, let's hear what he's bragging out about. We don't
1: plan on having kids.
0: We're dinks. Of course, we're going to go out to eat every night after work. Of course, we're going to go out to eat every night after work. Okay, dude. So what you're saying is is you're preparing yourself for a a lifetime of sadness because I promise you that the food that you can get at restaurants is never going to be as good as what you can make at home. That's just the reality. There was a time in my life when I was not that good of a cook and the food that I would get out at restaurants would be better, but now... Whether it's a ribeye steak, whether it's a, you know, meatloaf, whether it's a casserole or a pasta or whatever it is, it can be made better at home typically than what you will get at a restaurant unless it's like the best restaurant in the world or there's some specialty dish like ramen. Anyways, Stephanie says... That guy was probably cute in high school, but he changed. Yeah, well. <laughs> We're dinks. We don't have to ask our family for financial help or to watch our kid when we want to go out. That's not a dink. That's just if asking your family for financial help. That's just being a functioning adult, you idiots. We're dinks. We're going to go to Costco and buy all the snacks in bulk that we want. Okay, you're, gonna, you're dinks. You're going to go to Costco and buy the snacks that we want. Why can't you do that if you have kids? What is it about having children that prevent what you have to look at this fat ass? Look at his like stupid shit eating grin on his face. This idiot, this genetic dead end. Imagine bragging about that. I mean, he's a genetic dead end and he's bragging about it. Um, There's a line from Skyrim my ancestors are smiling down on me nord can yours say the same i can promise you that this big old chunk has been, who's been eating too many of the snacks that he likes from costco right here i promise you that his ancestors are looking down on him with shame and this is really the point i don't know about you but and this sort of ties into on a sidestep the the surrogacy conversation the desire to have your own biological children that i sort of mentioned yesterday in regards to the desire to have your, you know, surrogate parenting, to have your own biological children versus adoption, for example. And of course, that's in the context, context of gay couples. But I feel the urge, the pressing upon of history. Perhaps others don't feel this. And I understand not everybody necessarily needs to have kids, right? Some people have schizophrenia. Some people are leftists. But then I repeat myself. But when it comes to the question of passing on your genes to the next generation, my view of this is to say that we have a responsibility, in my mind, to honor our ancestors and to pass on our genes and to have our children and to pass on to them this gift of life because of the sacrifices and the struggles that all of humankind have made in order to get us to this point in time where we are all right now, at seven seventeen a.m. in the morning, Central Time, in Jefferson City, Missouri, and wherever you are around the country and or around the world, listening to this show at any time, but think about the generations of humans who for years suffered the pangs and arrows of outrageous fortunes, crossed continents, lost kin on the travel from the the wagon train travel on the Oregon Trail to come across the United States, to come to Kansas City, Missouri, that my ancestors faced, the struggles that they faced, losing relatives to cholera. Perhaps uh, some of them lost a leg. My one of my great grandfathers, for example, fought in the Civil War and had his leg shot out. Was lame for the rest of his life. Managed to carry on. Managed to live. Survived the Civil War. Fought on the losing side. Uh, came back to Missouri. Impregnated his wife enough times to have enough children. Because of course, all of the children at that time didn't necessarily survive to adulthood. As a matter of fact, I think the majority of them did not and managed to bring those children to full term and then adulthood and then give us this gift of life. This is a gift. You have been given a gift by the people who have fought and died and struggled in order to bring us to this point in time where we are all together, where you are hearing my voice right now. If you're hearing me say this right now. The auditory signals that are being received by your brain all are a gift from your ancestors, from our shared ancestors, our common ancestors, going all the way back to the primordial soup, or for the creationists who like to listen to the show, which I believe are a majority of my listeners, back to Adam and Eve, or the foundations or the beginnings of uh, the origins of life according to your religion. JJ4884. Says, unfortunately, both our culture and economy makes it tougher to raise kids on a single income. One message I think the populace have interests in, like Blake Masters. Politics should be aspirational. Completely agree. Joni Rankin, opening up, being very personal this morning. She says, wanted to have six kids, but after the fourth one was born with a genetic disease, cystic fibrosis, we had to stop. Very true uh, that some people will not be able to have children. And that's not their fault. But these are people who are choosing to be genetic dead ends. And while I think that there is an argument to be made to say, well, we don't, you know, not everybody needs to have kids, for maybe for health reasons, perhaps genetic reasons, or perhaps they they're communist scumbags, and we don't want to encourage that. And we prefer that they not have kids. The minds, I'm rejecting the mindset itself right? What am I rejecting? I'm rejecting this idea that we shouldn't procreate. I think this plays very much into the whole, you know, Agenda 21, you know, depopulation agenda from the left. They despise life. They hate life. It reminds me a little bit about, um, you know, the difference, speaking of aspirational views of humanity, you know, we being pro-life, I think pro-life is about abortion centrally. But it's about being pro-life, I think, tangentially. And here's my view. Stephanie and I watched the movie Soylent Green a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever seen this film with Charlton Heston? If you have, you probably are dating yourself. You're probably a little bit older. But spoiler alert, the movie's been out for like 50 years now. So um, I'm going to drop some of the plot points in it. It's a dystopian future. uh, And it used to be, and I think a lot of people have forgotten this, but it, it, it used to be the great fear, and it still is to some extent. We still feel, feel the after effects of this in our modern um, leftist policy proposals, but it used to be the big fear. People were really terrified about overpopulation. Uh, and of course, we have a depopulation agenda that exists today from the left you know, in the form, and they, it takes the form of birth control. It takes the form of of uh, uh, the trans issue, right? Cutting off the, you know, wing-wangs of our children. It takes the form of, um, it It takes uh, many other forms, right? To climate change, that, that agenda, the fear of overpopulation. But in the movie, Soylent Green, it shows the future as being, and it, I think it was set in like 2022, which is funny. It, and it shows, you know, there are so many people that there just isn't enough of food food to go around. So the government has to set out rations Uh, where, you know, people are eating biscuits and the popular biscuit is Soylent Green. And people, there's hardly enough food to go around for everybody. So every once in a while, there's a riot and the government comes along with dump trucks and scoops and scoops everybody up into the dump trucks and then carts them away. And, you know, you never know, see from, see or hear from again. And then, of course, Charlton Heston's favorite line at the end of the movie, you realize he says, Soylent Green, is people tell everyone it's people so they're chopping us up and they're feeding us back to ourselves so that you die and then you get fed back into the population but this reflected a a an anxiety that the left still feels about overpopulation now why do they think this and and why do they why do they fear a, a potential overpopulation it it's not going to happen especially here in the United States. Now, they don't fear overpopulation in lots of other countries, right? They're trying to encourage countries like China and they're trying to encourage the economic development of third-world countries while trying to slow down the economic development in countries like the United States, but that's neither here nor there. There are some people like the evil globalist elites like, you know, the Bill Gates and the Melinda Gates of the world and the Barack Obamas who they're they're happy to see you know, reduce population in places like India and China and things like that. And they will encourage that because it is, you know, a part of their, a strict part of their ideology. But for the most part, I think most leftists hate the United States and would like to depopulate the United States while seeing the thriving of the third world because of white guilt. So in regards to the question of, um, Brian SJ, she says she's just dated herself. and Green is a good movie. Damn right it is. It's also got some nice little sexiness in it. Steffi, Steffi really loves the sex stuff in movies. She's just, I'm I'm outing my wife, but she loves the sexy times in the movies. Eric Dundaro 99 is here. Good morning, Eric. Nice to see you. But the, but the Soylent Green film shows the anxiety of the left in their fears of overpopulation. Now, why do they think this? I think partially it's because most leftists live in big cities. uh, And I think that it's, they, they look at their own surroundings. And they project their fears onto the rest of the country. I remember that the joke, and this was actually a joke that was in the office, where Dwight Schrute is walking in downtown New York City and says, we need a new plague. And that was a joke. But the left really believed that. They really felt that way. And I think they probably still do. As a matter of fact, remember, many of the left loved COVID-19. They were so happy, not just because they got to sit on their fat asses and get a government check and not work, right? Because they're a bunch of lazy you-know-whats, mm. but they also loved COVID-19 because it was killing people. They, and they accused other people of being grandma killers and all this stuff. It was all a facade. It was all a lie. They loved it. They, and, and you know why? Because they called it the boomer remover. And there's nothing that the left hates more than old white people. They wanted to see the older generation die off because they lie. They lied that they, that we are grandma killers and we're these horrible, evil people, right? No, they wanted the plague. They wanted to see. They want a reduced population. It was all an act. It was all performative politics, this whole pointing of the finger at us, for not taking the pandemic seriously, and and uh you know because they want to put us in concentration camps, they want to put us, they want to do to us in the United States what they did to them in Australia. These are th- this is what the left's agenda is: is to round up everyone who does not agree with their leftist, socialist, globalist, communist, totalitarian, fascist agenda. And so this concept of and. This is a big extrapolation from this, you know, the dinks and the desire to have no children, but it all springs forth. It's a, it's a symptom of the disease of leftism and socialism that has a depopulation agenda because they only want, they, and they all see themselves as the elites who will be, who will be protected and who will, will live. They want a strata, an income strata of a very few elite. Who sit at the very top of society and who tell the groundlings and the proletariats and the plebes what to do. No middle income class. They don't want people to be, you know, middle income or to be middle class or to be upper middle class because then they have the opportunity to be supplanted. This is why they hate capitalism. Yes, I'm saying that rich people and rich big corporations, they do not like capitalism. They don't like capitalism because it allows people like you and me to have as many kids as we want. To populate the earth with our beautiful little babies and have as many babies as we want and to be able to afford to have the, the babies that we want, right? Remember, a big part of this whole dual income, no kids is because, you know, people can't afford to have babies, right? But if you can't, if you can, if we have capitalism, we can afford to have babies. If we have capitalism, we can have, afford to have lots of children. That's why the elites, the totalitarian, authoritarian, fascist, leftist, socialist, globalist, communist, they don't want us to be able to afford to have kids because they want us to depopulate. They don't like having to walk around us. They don't like having to be around us. They wanted to have a new plague. Okay? They don't want you and I to be able to supplant them. And that's what this is about. Real capitalism is about competition. Leftist, socialist, totalitarian elites, the the uber wealthy of our society, do not want capitalism because that means that they have competition. They don't want your kids... To be able to compete against their kids. They want you to have fewer children. Now they're going to have fewer children themselves, and some of them are childless as well and are genetic dead ends, for example. But what do they do? They go out and they pull an Angelina, Jolie, or Brad Pitt, and they adopt like 25 different children, and then they trans their own their own kids. They trans their kids, and then they go out and they pick out from the population of the third world and then they bring in them. And I noticed that they don't trans. The, the foreign kids that they adopt. Have you ever noticed that when celebrities go out and they adopt 25 kids from the third world, they don't trans those kids, but they do trans their own? Am, am I sounding absolutely bat insane this morning? Do I sound bat insane? What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573 573- three one nine one five eight six I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one uh Corey and Callie says Austin got 50 shades of gray DVD stuck in the, in the DVD player what are you talking about <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that again if you can send us a text at five seven three three one nine one five eight six Matt Unruh says dink is Canadian slang for penis <laughs> I knew it had to be something Blutreich says, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply in the earth and increase on it. Nice biblical injunction there, Blutreich. Glad to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you. Um, This morning on the show, I wanted to let you know that uh, we have a new sponsor for the program today. Uh, And it is, I guess it's the show is brought to you in part by uh, our new sales channel at tpublic.com slash ap for liberty shop so t public is a is an online merchandise store where we're going to be sharing some of our more popular designs uh and for those of you who have been wanting to get some of our more popular t-shirts but who have been a little intimidated by the prices over at ap for liberty shop just an fyi we are uh offering now uh some reduced prices and some sales on some of our more popular items over at ap uh, excuse me tpublic.com slash ap for liberty shop the actual link that i'd like you to click on is in the description of the video and the podcast that you're listening to right now let me just show you real quick so i've got four yeah it looks like four of our more most popular designs available at tpublic.com click on the link in the description so you can find them more our government shirt caucasian shirt rebellion to tyrants is obedience to god benjamin franklin shirt and of course, our very popular Pepe Crusader night shirt, all reduced prices for a few days. Right now, you can get them for $16 over at tpublic.com slash AP for Liberty shop. Click, again, click on the link in the description for more, some of our most popular t-shirt designs. Uh, you can get them now available on our new sales channel at tpublic.com. Make sure you click on that link in the bio. All right. So my voice gets really exhausted when I don't have guests. That are joining us um, for the first hour, so we don't. So, unfortunately, I do have to take a brief little commercial break just so I can let my throat rest, and we will be back uh, with more. Uh, Javier Malay getting attacked by the right wing corporate press. Don't miss it. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show. At wakeupamericashow.com sorry to take a commercial break like that i need it sometimes whenever my voice is being overused and i'm definitely being used this this week not in a bad way but in a good way uh, as a matter of fact i think you all are going to be very excited to see that i am cast in the lead role of a new cartoon series that's debuting next year called jonathan gullible at the adventure series it's gonna be awesome yeah so, for the last several months, <clears throat> I've been going, as soon as the, the show is over, I go to another studio across town here in Jefferson City, and I've been doing all of the voiceover work for the John, Jonathan Gullible Adventure Series, new cartoon series, and it's got a bunch of other people that you would know, whose names you would know, that are starring in the cartoon series alongside me, but I'm the star. <laughs> yeah! I've always wanted to do something like that. Uh, Jonathan Gullible. So I play Jonathan Gullible, who is on a series of misadventures and learns a bunch of economic lessons along the way as he, you know, has hijinks and travels across the island and gets into, you know, danger and adventures and all kinds of fun stuff. Jonathan Gullible's The Adventure Series debuts, I believe, yeah, next spring. We don't have the exact date set just yet. But it's been really fun to be a part of the project, and of of course, it's just really cool to get to do a voiceover work. So yeah, so look forward to that coming out early next year. And there's actually a Hollywood movie that I got cast in to do a voiceover for, so double trouble. And of course, I'm working diligently to bring to you my very first documentary, the Battle of Athens documentary, which I'm working on to try and bring out before just before and hope hope to launch just before the election next November, so look for that next year as well. All kinds of exciting stuff happening but because part of the voiceover work for the cartoon, which is if you haven't already guessed, it's kind of a libertarian cartoon adventure series, sort of like the Tuttle Twins, if you will, but instead of being books, it's like a cartoon series um and the um the what, where was I going with this? I lost my train of thought. That's what happens when you're 42 years old. You know what? I'm starting to turn into this guy.
1: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him. In, uh, put me.
0: <laughs> so, anyways, the point is, my voice is super exhausted because of all of the voiceover work that I've been doing, in addition to talking two hours, five days a week, ten hours of this of the Wake Up America show. So, please forgive me. For taking breaks and breathing deeply like that, if you will, just because uh, I'm sometimes I like get a little out of breath. Glad to have you here. You can text the show anytime, night or day, at 573 319 1586. That's 573 319 1586. I'm glad to see that our listeners are enjoying their Founding Flavors coffee today, which you can get exclusively at AP4libertyshop.com. We don't ha- yet have a date. I know people are asking about the K-Cups. We don't have a date yet for those K-Cups, but we did give you those K-Cup um, inserts for ground coffee. So I see Brandon Meyer over there is um, looking for K-Cups. We don't have those yet, and we don't have an estimated drop date. We're told it's coming soon, that we're going to be capable of doing it, but we're just not there yet. So please do get those inserts. We sell them to you at cost, so we don't make any money on those at all, just so that you can get we can get our delicious coffee in your home. Because here's the thing. If you try founding flavored coffee, you're going to love it. Um, My recommendations, my favorite is Thomas's Painkiller. That's the Colombian single origin. But I also really love the Jeffersonian Java. I love the uh, Benjamin Franklin's Electric Elixir. Those are my top three favorites, but also our seasonal one that's going away, by the way, at the end of this month, Martha's Mint. Whoa, that stuff is good. Absolutely delicious peppermint flavored coffee, not too strong. Add a little chocolate sauce into it or a little mint schnapps if you're feeling spicy. Uh, and enjoy. Okay, well, Elon Musk yesterday, uh, Javier tweeting, obviously, this is going to be in Spanish, which means that I'm going to be translating this for you. So I apologize, I'm talking over Javier, so that people who are listening to this show not watching it can understand what's being said. But Elon Musk tweeted Javier Millay yesterday, and you'll love to see it. Here's Javier Millay talking about equality before the law. First of all, there is a phrase from Milton Friedman, that I think is sublime in the context of this topic. A society that puts equality before freedom will get neither.
1: A society that puts freedom before equality will get a high degree of both. Even John Stuart Mill pointed this out.
0: A society that obsesses with equality, sooner or later becomes a society of looters and falls apart. That is the story of Argentina. Now, the host is saying they talked about the tyranny of the majority. Bueno. Therefore, the point is that social justice is unjust. There is nothing more unjust than social justice. Because what is the greatest achievement of liberalism? Liberalism's greatest achievement is, quote, equality before the law. That is to say, the law is the same for everyone. When you adhere to the ideas of social justice, which means the redistribution of income, what you are really doing is using the repressive state apparatus. So you can take from the successful to distribute it capriciously, according to the wishes of whomever is in power. Brilliant stuff! You got to love it, and I love seeing Javier Malay are being tweeted by Elon Musk. Don't you? God bless it! Oh, that's the Grand Theft Auto Six trailer. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, but that's Javier Malay, and because everything he is saying is absolutely correct, he's already under attack by the. Um, He's already under attack uh by, from the corporate press. Actually, I, I can pull it up for you so the viewers can see what I'm talking about here. Here's the headline. Take a look at this. El Loco, they call him, which is this, to be fair, that was a nickname they use against him. The crazy one. Won the Argentina election last month with outlandish ideas. Now he's backpedaling. Well, okay. The hit pieces have begun. And remember, the Wall Street Journal is not some left-wing news rag. It's not like The Economist, where it's gone woke and it's been taken over by socialists or leftists. The Wall Street Journal, and I subscribe to it, is right of center, which is, that's why I read it, because their journalism is typically top-notch. But today, it's shite. Oh, yes. That's shite. And I wonder if it has anything to do with the last names of the people who wrote the article. (laughs) Okay, Jalvias, Ryan Dubé, and Sylvina Fridlewski. Hmm. The subheading, Javier Malay, who pledged to kill the central bank, cut ties with China and slash public spending, has taken a softer tone ahead of his inauguration. Um, actually, you idiots, uh, he said all along that while he is an anarcho-capitalist and while he wants to accomplish things like shutting down the central bank, he has said that he wants to take pragmatic steps to get there. Which is why I really love Javier Malay. He's an anarchist in his heart, but he knows that he has to take minarchist steps to be able to get there. That shows to me that he actually cares about making real changes. He actually cares about his people. He wouldn't just rip the rug out from underneath them overnight, and he, uh, overnight, and he knows that he has to make compromises in order to be able to get his agenda across. Now, he is, uh, you know, president-elect, so he's not the president yet, and we have time to see what's going to happen. His inauguration hasn't, you know, happened yet, and he is very much an economic libertarian and a social libertine, which I think is why there might be some trepidation with him, not just the, there's a lot of, of course, anti-Semitism being thrown at him. He's not Jewish, but he is very pro-Israel, so a lot of the hatred of Javier Malay. Definitely stems from that, because when I wrote a piece in Human Events magazine that was published last week about Javier Malay, Jack Posobiec uh, tweeted it yesterday, and the main criticisms underneath that article uh, were all that he's, you know, friendly to Jews. So he won by a landslide, and he promised to slash government, and he, you know, he wants to bring government spending down by 40% to bring down inflation. He he said things like the state is not the solution, rather the problem, r- rather it is the problem. Completely agree. Uh, and you know, forty six million people in his country, he's got to take pragmatic steps to be able to bring up, uh, bring his agenda to the forefront. Right? He, um, you know, he's fifty three years old. He uh, believes in legalizing drugs. He believes in same-sex marriage, and that's a risky thing, and, and you could lose conservative votes for that because it's a very Roman Catholic country. I mean, Pope Francis comes from Argentina, and Pope Francis does not like Javier Malay. Malay has said things like, I don't care what your sexual preference is. He says, if you want to be with an elephant and you have the consent of that elephant, that's a problem between you and the elephant. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't think an elephant can consent, Javier. But it is funny. Taxation, he said, is nothing more than armed robbery by the government. Who are you to put your hands in my pocket? Yes. You'll love to see it. Uh, he says, um, uh, but here's how the Wall Street Journal uh, is characterizing this. He says, days ahead of his inauguration Sunday. Okay, so it's this Sunday. Millay is backpedaling surprising supporters and opponents. Well, it might be surprising opponents or people who don't pay attention to him, but it's not surprising his supporters because his supporters have actually done their homework on Javier Malay and have listened to what he actually said. He has jettisoned some of his top economic advisors who were enlisted to help him kill the central bank and adopt the U.S. dollar as a national currency. He has aligned instead with officials from a previous center-right government that he previously derided. No one said eliminating the central bank was going to be instantaneous, he said on Sunday. That is true. There is one promise, however, that he did say would be instantaneous, and we'll get to that promise in a moment. Now, after promising to cut ties with China, he had referred to the communist regime as assassins. True. He has since exchanged cordial words with Beijing. China is Argentina's top buyer of soy. And Argentina is Latin America's third-largest recipient of Chinese state bank loans in South America. Interesting. Even his tone has shifted from talk show personality to stoic voice of reason. He acknowledged the transition from nearly two decades of leftist Peronist governments to his vision of unfettered capitalism could take longer than expected. Well, no, sh- no, sh- yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer than expected. Because what the left has destroyed, it's up to us, we, the libertarians, to clean it up. Um, Millay drew votes from people who were angry at the the political establishment, not because they supported his libertarian view, according to political analysts, which is, again, probably who are political analysts, by the way, which political analysts, they don't say. This is the Wall Street Journal writing. Argentines who are accustomed to a nanny state are now saying they hope his campaign promises were all talk. They worry his economic remedies will hit too close to home, says Gustavo Perez. He says Malay is a rich guy. He's not going to feel the cuts like we are. He's a mechanic in the working-class district of San Miguel on the outskirts of the capital. He fretted over the fate of a new sewage processing facility being built on his street. Despite being an agricultural powerhouse with massive, li- massive lithium and energy deposits, Argentina is in its worst economic crisis in a generation. Two of five people live in poverty. The peso has lost 90% of its value in November. Inflation was up 147% from a year earlier. But not because Argentina instituted libertarian policies. It's because Argentina has spent way too much GD money through socialism and on social programs and on public affairs and public works and has destroyed the value of their currency because they've had too much government, not too much liberty. Now, Benjamin Gaydon, who is the director of the Latin American program at the Wilson Center, you know the Woodrow Wilson Center, <laughs> has said Argentines are in no mood for sacrifice after more than a decade of economic suffering. Who is? A, when are people ever in the mood for sacrifice? People, no one is ever. When you get a, a is a crack addict ever in the mood for sacrifice? Is an alcoholic. Ever in the mood for sacrifice? Are people who are addicted to methamphetamines, are they ever ready for a sacrifice? No, uh, they're not. Unions, social movements, and the Peronist opposition will be out for blood from day one. Well, that, of that, I have no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, millions of other state workers fear mass firings during the campaign. Malay called the public sector a cancer that needed to be removed. Oh, so true. Pablo Biro, who is a representative of a pilot's union, is ready to fight Malay's expected cuts of government-run air carrier, um, which last year posted $200 million in losses. He says, they're going to have to literally kill us, Biro said on national radio.
1: <laughs>
0: Don't tempt me with a good time. Outside of the—here's the promise that he made. Outside of the Ministry of Women, Gender, and Diversity, Daniela Aranchiva, an administrative advisor— Gave a look of anguish as she talked about the possibility of losing her job. It's going to disappear. Something so important. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the Ministry of Women, Gender, and Diversity was promised to be cut uh, on day one from Javier Malay. So let's see if Javier Malay actually lives up to his promise. You got to know that the... the, uh, Daniela Aranchivas of the world are panicking, freaking out. Yes, yeah, scream, run and cry. I really hate this article from the Wall Street Journal. It's it's total bull. Malay says he won't be pressured by protests because the left is now claiming that they will be taking to the streets, the labor unions. He sees his 11-point victory over the economy minister, Sergio Massa, as a mandate to remake a country that has lurched from one crisis to the next. The first economist elected president in Argentina said the surge in domestic stock and bond prices after his win was a sign of market confidence in his plans. And I agree completely. What do you think? Send us a text at 573 573- This is a very long piece from the Wall Street Journal, so I won't be able to read all of it, but I have tweeted it over at my Twitter account. So make sure that you follow me there as well at AP for Liberty. Excuse me, got a cough. You can follow me again at twitter.com slash AP4 Liberty. That's AP the number four. AP for Liberty. You love to see it. Hey, nice to see you. Thank you very much for the likes, guys. We've got 37 likes and we have 162 people watching. I'd love it if we could hit mm, 62 likes out of the 162 people watching. Thank you to Robbie Wilson for that. You can text the show today at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in and says, did you mention where your Jonathan Gullible show will air? Well, I don't know the answer to that just yet. So that's still up in the air. It will be aired somewhere and you will be able to get copies of it. Most likely you're going to be able to stream it online. So if you're interested in seeing my uh, libertarian cartoon that I'm voicing, then make sure that you keep an eye out on, of course, right here on the show. And I'll make those kinds of announcements. One listener texted in says, would the cartoon be canceled after one season or will it last forever like the Simpsons? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. All I can say is that if it makes it into, um, you know, extra seasons, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask for more money, baby. Yeah. I didn't get paid much anyway, but I did get paid, which is nice paid voiceover work. And don't forget too, I do have, there is a Hollywood movie that I'm going to be, uh, that I have a very, very tiny little cameo and it's only a voiceover. I play a radio announcer in a new film that's coming out next year. And I said that, uh, and I uh, negotiated a small payment for that, but I said, what I want more than anything is for me and my wife to get tickets to the red carpet premiere. So whenever this, the new movie that I'm in is being released, in, um, spring of next year, then, uh, Stephanie, I'm going to take my, my lovely wife to the red carpet premiere, uh, which is either going to be in Hollywood, California or in New York or New Jersey. So that should be exciting. Kind of fun. I've always wanted to do one of those Hollywood premieres. I've been to like fashion parties and stuff where they like take your picture on like a red carpet with all like the beautiful, like background and stuff like that. But it's just not the same as like being in a movie and getting invited to go to the red carpet premiere. And like, it's going to be great because all the paparazzi will be like taking pictures of me and Steffi and she'll be looking all beautiful and wearing high heels for the first time in her life. And uh, we'll be uh, on the red carpet and pe- everybody's going to be like, all right, uh, uh, who, who are these guys? <laughs> gonna be Like, who the hell are these people, can we get the actual stars? But one of the guys who's starring in it is um, you guys know the, you know, Jay, Jason Muse from Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. He's one of the stars in it. Also, Martin Cove from, you know, Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid series is also one of the stars of the film. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. I'm excited. I only have like a 60 second cameo in it and it's just my voice as a voiceover, but it's going to be a great movie and I'm kind of excited. I read part of the script that, that they gave me access to and it sounds kind of funny and I'm looking forward to it. So keep an eye out for that as well as my cartoon series next year. The Wake Up America show absolutely be killing it. It's time for some big brain time. Judge Andrew Napolitano to talk about some changes to the tax code the Supreme Court weighs in when we get back on Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Ho, ho, ho. Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. Verizon Freedom. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Make sure you click that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing today. And I know that you're going to love my next guest we call it big brain time for a reason and there's a reason why my brain has gotten so big over the years well it's because I've learned from one of the greatest if you know the movie Star Wars you probably have heard are familiar with the term Jedi Master and I his Padawan for a number of years when we worked together at the Fox Business Network Judge Anna Napolitano is the host of the Judging Freedom podcast he's joining us live right now he says I look more elf than Santa Claus today why is that judge Because of your baby face.
1: (laughs) And if you had called me Jedi Master at at Fox, we both would have been fired.
0: (laughs) Good, good, Judge. We're glad to have you here. I love our new uh, venture together, and we're grateful to have you as our regular Wednesday guest here. Obviously, our listeners should know that your Judging Freedom podcast, which is a massive hit, is available to download on any mobile device. And of course, your weekly column at JudgeKnapp.com is mandatory reading. Of course, we won't force the government to do it to make you read it, but I will say that you should at Uh, Judge, I'm keeping an eye on the Supreme Court, a fascinating court, and hopefully we can hold on to it for a little bit longer depending on the outcome of the next election. But the Supreme Court is looking at possibly making a massive change to the tax code, which, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's fairly rare for the Supreme Court to weigh in on tax matters like this? Can you help our listeners understand what's going on? So the short answer is, yes,
1: it is rare for the Supreme Court to weigh in on tax matters. Uh, The slightly longer answer is, yes, the court has been asked to clip Congress's wings, which it hasn't uh, done in respect to taxes. So about 100 years ago, uh, the court ruled that while Congress can't regulate everything. It can't make red neckties illegal. It can tax what it wants. It could pose, impose such a high tax on red neckties that nobody would want to buy one. Uh, the, that would allow Congress to regulate the taxation. So that's the principle we start with. Here's what happened here. And this is where, and I'm sorry to say this, Donald Trump can be very dangerous because of the thoughtlessness of his tinkering with economic matters in an effort to tell the public that he was going to force foreign investment back into the U.S. Not always a good thing because it interferes with where you wanna place your money. Uh, when, When Congress revised the tax laws in 2017 and gave most of the country tax break, unfortunately not where I live, not in New York, not in New Jersey, and not in California, because they removed the state and local tax as a deduction. Another issue for another time. Uh, Congress enacted a wealth tax. Now, a wealth tax is not a tax on income. It's a tax on wealth existing outside the United States. So a couple, husband and wife in the state of Washington, uh, invested $40,000 in a friend's business. The friend operated the business in India. Uh, The business does not pay interest or dividends, and you can't sell the stock. It's just there. You're not going to get that money back with any appreciation until the business is sold. They understood this, and they agreed to it. The business has prospered. The $40,000 is worth a lot more than $40,000. The IRS sent them a tax bill, and they said, what is this for? We don't have any income. We can't even get any money. Can't get income if we want to under the terms under which we made the investment. They challenged the IRS in federal court in Cal, in Washington. They lost. They lost before the Ninth Circuit, which is the uh, uh, federal appellate court for the fifteen westernmost United States. Uh, and now that uh, matter is before the Supreme Court of the United States. Can the federal government Tax wealth. To me, this is obviously a no brainer. Somebody who believes that taxation is theft, obviously. There's no authority for this. There's no authority for it in the Constitution. There is regrettably authority in the Constitution to tax income, but there is no authority to tax wealth. Now, how dangerous is this? Well, this is very dangerous because if the court upholds this, Congress may decide oh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Austin Peterson you have X dollars in wealth in your home, in your businesses, uh, in your uh, investments, and even though they're not giving you income, we're going to tax that wealth. Oh, Charles Koch, you have X dollars in wealth, we're going to tax uh, that wealth. Uh, this is a no-brainer to me, but it certainly wasn't a no-brainer to the court yesterday, even, even the, the darling of the libertarians, not the darling of the libertarians, because he's the only libertarian on the court, uh, Neil Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch, seemed shockingly receptive to the uh, IRS uh, argument. So this is a very, very dangerous case. It's sort of a sleeper. There's very little money involved. The tax bill is only $14,000. Where, that's where it stands, um, a decision by April
0: so very concerning because neil gorsuch doesn't appear to be on our side on this one why would that be why would he not come down on our side
1: well because the originalist in him um accepts uh the hundred-year-old uh, jurisprudence that congress can tax whatever it wants and if the people don't want that taxed uh then they can vote uh, a new congress but this is this is uh, the, the, the definition of taxation being theft because uh, it's taxing uh, wealth uh, that, in this case, their last name is Moore, Mr. and Mrs. Moore, that Mr. and Mrs. Moore can't even, can't even get. They can't even hold. They can't even touch. I mean, if you want to tax Charles Koch's wealth, and I don't mean to pick on, on Charles, but he's one of the wealthiest men in the world, and he has billions in assets in the U.S., he can touch that. He can turn it into uh, income. The Moors can't even uh, touch what they have. So the whole principle that Congress can tax whatever it wants is anti-Madisonian, because Madison uh, argued that Congress can only tax in the areas in which it can regulate. So Congress, Madison argued, can tax interstate commerce because Congress can regulate uh, interstate commerce but it can't tax what it can't regulate. Supreme Court said, no, it can tax uh, whatever it wants.
0: So just to make this uh, a little bit easier for people to understand, Judge, um, in regards to the question of, uh, you know, what can be taxed and what can't be taxed, the question on whether income must be realized or received could apply to things like, you know, bond investors, partnerships, multinational corporations, but could it then also apply to, for example, if I buy stocks, I, you know, I purchase stocks to try and, and you know, secure my retirement, um, I could be taxed on gains that I have not even made yet, future possible gains? Well, that is not the law yet,
1: but that may very well become the law if the Moors lose their case. Now, I got to give you a little caveat here. Uh, this um, statute that Trump signed, the, the Tax Jobs Act, that's a crazy name that they give these laws in 2017. This is only a one-shot deal, meaning the Moors, the, the, the government can't, under this statute, retax the same wealth. It's just a one-shot uh, tax. So the fear that you have for your unrealized wealth. There is no tax on that at the moment. If the Supreme Court sides with the Moors, there will never be a tax on that. If the Supreme Court sides uh, with the IRS, then it will be up to Congress to enact uh, a new uh, tax. And, you know, they they probably will.
0: And the cynic in us is leaning towards the possibility that the Moors are going to lose their case and we're going to be taxed. On unrealized games I think, in the
1: future. I think the Moors are going to be are going to lose their case, but just to, um, listening to the the common thread between the two opposites there, but Justice Gorsuch is such an interesting uh, brain, uh, which often connects with his ideological opposite. I mean, one of the greatest uh, dissents in the modern era was jointly authored by Justice Gorsuch and Justice Ginsburg on uh, Double Jeopardy. We can discuss it at another time if you like. Uh, But he was connecting with Justice Sotomayor, and the two of them seem to be coming down on, there's got to be guideposts here so the IRS doesn't go crazy. So there may be some sort of a half win for the government, uh, if you will. Uh, One of the um, friends of the court briefs uh, was signed by a law firm hired by Paul Ryan. Paul is the uh, was the Speaker of the House of Representatives at the time, and of course, notwithstanding uh, being a Social Democrat, is at heart, uh, you know, warfare, welfare, big government uh, guy, and his brief was just uh, enough to make you lose your breakfast. If you read it, arguing how the government's uh, the government would be crimped if it couldn't tax whatever it wanted to. I mean, if I could do anything tomorrow, I would add one or two words to the interstate commerce clause, one or two words to the 10th amendment, and I would repeal the 16th and 17th amendments. 17th amendment, of course, permits income tax. The way way to shrink the government is to starve it.
0: Completely agree, Judge. You're not going to find any disagreement with me on that. I think the 16th and the 17th (laughs) amendments are definitely amongst the worst. And uh, and we're glad to have you here to make these cases. Judge, just maybe a little bit of a curveball, maybe not tangentially related, but Sandra Day O'Connor passed away recently. I wonder what you thought of her.
1: Well, I knew her personally and enjoyed uh, our friendship. And I will tell you a funny story about how we met in a minute. But she really had no ideology. She was the ultimate uh, centrist, um, sort of a bridge builder. I mean, she was the most powerful woman in America and and therefore the most powerful person uh, on the court for 20 years. Uh, before Anthony Kennedy became the swing vote, she was the swing vote between four conservatives and uh, and four liberals. And she went back and forth. And when there was no way to predict which way she was going to go, she made things up. like. This constitutional principle, I'm speaking of affirmative action, all, only exists for 25 years. Well, is the Constitution going to change in 25 years? Well, no, I don't think we'll have that problem in 25 years. And of course, it's 30 years later. We still have the problem of affirmative action uh, in colleges. Um, however, I, I met her in a funny way. I don't know if you remember the uh, Fred Friendly... Uh, programs on WPBS. They were hour-long uh, town hall meetings with the uh, 13 people uh, on stage and uh, Fred Friendly, and then eventually Arthur Miller from Harvard, who took it over from him, uh, did the interrogation. Well, I was invited to be on this, and they picked your name out of a hat as to where you sat. So, of the 13 people, I sat right in the middle, with six to my right and six to my left, and then who sits? Immediately to my right, Antonin Scalia. And who sits immediately to my left, Sandra Day O'Connor. So they looked at each other and they said, hey, judge, don't get any ideas. The only person that gets to sit between us is the chief justice. (laughs) 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 And then she kept tormenting him during the program. Nino, Nino, what about this? What about that? And he would say, Sandra, would you let me finish? And then he'd whisper (laughs) in my ear. You see what I have to put up with? And this is just a television show. Can you imagine? This happens in real life. The woman's driving me mad. (laughs) I've never told that story on air uh, before. And then at the end of the program, she hugged and kissed me like I was her son or her next door neighbor or her best friend.
0: (laughs) Judge, you really have lived such a fascinating life, have you not? I have. I have. It's a gift. It's a gift. The good Lord didn't
1: give me everything I wanted, but he gave me a lot of energy and a lot of hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're lucky for that, Judge. You're very lucky for that. Uh, I appreciate (laughs) that. I wish I had a little bit of that Italian blood. Uh, Good morning. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here this morning. Uh, If you're joining us live right now and you're wondering who am I, I'm Austin Peterson. You should know my guest, Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, and he joins us live here every Wednesday on the program at 8 a.m. Central Time. So make sure that you set your calendars so that you don't miss these great conversations that we have. We call it Big Brain Time for a reason. We talk about the big news of the day, and we also dwell a little bit deeper into some of the philosophical issues concerning our shared ideology of libertarianism. Um, Judge, you have got uh, a great column coming out this week that I'd love if you could preview with us over at JudgeKnapp.com with our listeners. Would you mind sharing some of that with us?
1: Sure. It's called American Hubris, and it, uh, it is a small, brief history lesson uh, on the post-9-11 uh, war excesses of the government and how they uh, get away with it. You know, George W. Uh, Bush arguably the worst president in the post-World War II era, uh, wasted $2 trillion and and, and, and a a million lives invading Afghanistan to get everybody's eye off the ball uh, of the failures of uh, 9-11. Afghans had nothing to do with it. His friends whom he managed to get out of the country in the 72 hours following 9-11, the Saudis, paid for it, and orchestrated it. Anyway, when he decided he wanted to invade uh, Afghanistan under the pretext of, you know, we'll get with those people who messed with us, he didn't ask for a declaration of war. He couldn't get one because the Afghan government had not waged war on the U.S. He got a creature unknown to the Constitution called the AUMF, the Authorization for Use of Military Force. It didn't name a target, it didn't name a country, and it doesn't have an end point. And every president since George W. Bush has used this AUMF to justify all sorts of killings uh, as recently as last year uh, by uh, Joe Biden. Uh, All of this in an effort to build empire, to extend democracy. Remember, the theory behind Afghanistan was not only retribution, it was liberation. We're going to instill Western democracy in Afghanistan. Of course, we all know how Afghanistan ended up. We all know that the people running it now are the same cultural mindset of the people who were running it 22 years ago, the same mindset that 100,000 Soviet soldiers couldn't get rid of last century, the same mindset that 10,000 British soldiers couldn't get rid of in the the previous century. But Bush and his people were ignorant uh, of history, and they attempted to do the impossible to get everybody's eyes off the failures uh, of 9-11. Fast forward to today, and this AUMF still exists. Presidents still use it. It's like a loaded gun in the Resolute Desk uh, in the Oval Office, and Congress doesn't have the guts to get rid of it. I did take a little poke in the ribs at my hero, the first American president to build empire, Thomas Jefferson, when he when he purchased what is was known then as the Louisiana Purchase. But he didn't build empire by violence or force. He built it legally. And like a good a libertarian commercially, Napoleon needed 15 million. We gave him the 15 million. He gave us Louisiana.
0: And if, of course, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be sitting in Jefferson City, Missouri, where uh, on this spot where I sit right now, Lewis and Clark, at his behest, uh, discovered this country and established the state of Missouri, named so for the Missouri Indians who lived here at the time. The land of big canoes is what they called it. Judge, regarding Thomas Jefferson, this is a perfect segue for me now to do a, a brief deep dive into libertarian philosophy related to the events, again, uh, the question of the Barbary Wards and the proper role of government. Uh, libertarians have been having this debate online in the last week about the question about the proper role of government in regards to protecting American merchant shipping. Uh, and this debate has been sparked related to the attack on American merchant ships and an, an, a US warship that was uh, engaged by Yemeni Houthi rebels uh, in the last week um, in the Red Sea. And of course, the question uh, arises about the proper role of government in theory, which is what we're discussing. And of course, in practice, which is where we are right now with a massive government. I mean, you and I both agree we want a non interventionist government, we want free trade. But to an extent, free trade is protected by the guarantee uh, of the US Navy in protecting American merchant shipping. So the question, of course, is that, and this is going to be a little bit of a long way to build up to this question, and then I want to let you take the ball and run with it. The question, of course, is that, you know, many corporations, you know, my shop, for example, many of the items we get come from China, or they come from the Middle East, or they come from Russia. I probably couldn't afford to do business to the cost of goods and services if I ne- necessarily had to pay for 50 caliber machine guns and for Patriot missiles on the, you know, the merchant ships that would bring these products to me so I can sell them here in the United States. So to an extent, I rely on the US military to ensure the proper uh, the, the, that uh, the trade can go through the Red Sea, the Strait of Hormuz. African Somali pirates don't capture these shipments and things like that, so the regular flow of trade. So, you know, not being an anarchi- anarchist, right? Where I would say, you know, completely disband the military entirely. Being a minarchist, you know, I think that there there is a proper role for government in protecting our liberties with cops, courts, and a limited military, not a standing army, but perhaps a U.S. Navy, as Thomas Jefferson instituted for this same express purpose. The the creation of the U.S. Navy meant to protect American merchant shipping. Is that the proper role of government in your mind as well, that, that American merchant shipping should be free from, from attack, uh, from pirates, you know, state actors around the world to ensure free trade? What are your thoughts on this question in, in, in light of this story?
1: Well, it's, uh, there's a difference between uh, if the attacker is a state actor, well, then that's an act of war, uh, or a rogue actor, then it's, then it's an act of, uh, of theft. Uh, but do I think the U.S. Navy should be protecting every ship out there? I don't. I don't see any authority for that under the Constitution. But in this era uh, of the uh, Barbary uh, pirates, uh, the, the seas were rampant with, um, with rogue actors and state actors. I mean, uh, just 10 years later, the War of 1812 arguably is triggered Uh, by British ships capturing American vessels and kidnapping American sailors and forcing them to join the British Navy. This happens over and over and over again. Uh, And our friend James Madison, in order to get back at the British, attacked Canada. This resulted in burning the White House, burning the Capitol. The British tried to take us back. This is the War of 1812, which just sort of stopped when the British had had enough and we had had enough, uh, and they went home. So the idea of the framers was, uh, yes, we will use whatever force we have uh, to protect uh, goods when they're coming from the U.S. to Europe or going from Europe uh, to the U.S. Uh, but that would, um, that would lead to a role for the military that has nothing to do uh, with protecting the security of the state. So even though I love the stuff you sell and I want you to be able to make uh, (laughs) a a profit, those ships on which your goods come, they're going to have to buy their own guns
0: (laughs) in my world. And well, and yeah, but and that is that would be nice in an ideal world. However, most ports of call do not allow merchant ships to carry arms that would be necessary to defend themselves from these actors because of whatever rules they have in their country based on, you know, their their views on gun control.
1: Well, there'd be some insurance policy that could be worked out. The the, the ships with the guns would leave you at some point. The insurance company would take the risk. This can obviously uh, be done. I mean, uh, Murray Rothbard argued that, you know, an insurance company uh, insuring your house and every house uh, on your block... Uh, from invasion by uh, thieves in the night would cost you less and produce more safety than the police, than the taxes you pay for the police. Is so the danger, same principle is, is same there, principle would apply on the seas.
0: Is there a, a danger to our liberties that exist by corporations with private armies that's as, ma- as matched, if not worse, than uh, a tyrannical government? In other words, if... Yes, there is. If, yes, yes if, there is. If, if Pfizer or, or BlackRock or Merck or Johnson & Johnson or, you know, all the, these corporations that, you know, that hate people like you and I are given the power to have private armies, then the threat to our liberty still exists.
1: Yes. Agreed. Agreed. We just have to get a bigger army to, be, to beat theirs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it just seems like we go back to square one on that one. Judge, give us a preview of your excellent show. I love this conversation. I wish we could have it for hours. I I, I just... I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have these discussions with you after all these years, because I've always wanted to ask you things like the Thomas Jefferson, the Barbie wars, and to spend hours and hours and hours discussing it just because I'm such a huge nerd. But uh, unfortunately, I'm running out of time. Judge, please tell us about your wonderful show and who you have coming up.
1: So I have Tony Schaefer and Phil Giraldi, former uh, U.S. Uh, intelligence. Phil on, can you imagine Palestine without any Palestinians? Well, that's what Netanyahu wants. Tony, on. Uh, How did the United States drop the ball and lose in Ukraine? And then I have two very heavy hitters who you would enjoy. Uh, Former liberal Democrats, big government types, now anti-war and libertarian activists, Naomi Wolf and Max Blumenthal. Max has been on before, Naomi Wolf, uh, who used to write speeches for Bill Clinton and now writes essays for Lou Rockwell, so you can see that transformation. Uh, she's, uh, new to me and I'm very much looking forward to my interview with her as well as my interview with Max. Max has a huge following, uh, amongst my fans. And I expect that, uh, Dr. Wolf, Naomi Wolf will as well.
0: Love it. Judge Napolitano, your show is a runaway hit. The Judging Freedom podcast can be downloaded on any of your mobile devices. And of course, visit his website, judgenap.com and read his weekly column. I love it. Judge, thank you for your time. Merry Christmas. We'll see oh, you, thank you next you, Wes,
1: week. Until next, uh, until next week. You you. just look like an elf with that Santa
0: hat. Merry Christmas, Judge. See you next week. Have a good one. (laughs) That's Judge Napolitano. What do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. We always love to hear from him. Did you know that the Wake Up America show is brought to you in part by silver and gold? Silver and gold. Speaking of elves, what is Santa going to bring to you for Christmas this year? Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Or is he going to bring you gold and silver? Do you have somebody in your life that you love a lot? Would you buy them a gold bar? I mean, if I got a gold bar for Christmas and I opened it up, I would be a very happy boy. Visit learaustin.com for all your gold and silver needs. That's L-E-A-R-A-U-S-T-I-N. If you want to get a $500 account credit for your first purchase of gold, go to call, give them a call at 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175 today. Lear Capital is our endorsed precious metals leader. Call them today, write this number down 1-800-885-2175 or visit learaustin.com. That's L E A R A U S T I N ncom And we've got lots more great left to go our friend dave R- rubin visited us yesterday to talk about the desantis campaign we had a great conversation does he think that d- does he think that desantis can still win answer yes would he vote for donald trump if donald trump wins answer you'll have to find out when we get back on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com.